Boss Crackalackin, everybody. Money Smart Guy, Matt Zipali here. Hey, Lindsay here from Dallas, Texas. And welcome to another episode here of the Seven Figure Squad podcast. Joining me in the studio today is my personal trainer co-host here, Milton Alvarez. What's going on, Killer? Happy Wednesday, baby. And also special guest from Orlando, Florida, Cash Flow. First generation Cash Flow millionaire. Completely trained for entrepreneurship by being a former bar mitzvah host and break dancer. John Mason, what's up, brother? Welcome what's to the show. On? What's going on, Dallas? All the way from Orlando, man. Yeah, it's cold here, but uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so we have an interesting show ahead here. We got the holiday spending breaking records, despite 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Why you should never own a stock. We're going to do a throwback video here to Pierre Lynch back in 1994. Mark Cuban sells a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks right here in our backyard. What's to become of the Dallas Mavs? Uh, what child exchange... For those of you divorced parents or having, uh, what do you call that, uh, a co-parenting type of uh, situations, whether you're uh, um, divorced or single parents on each side and sharing residential custody or co-parenting custody with your, with your children, this is what child exchange looks like. I dealt with this in my life. And for those of you uh, that are in relationships or picking the right relationships, this is something here that you need to take a look at. And uh, who really pays taxes in America? Milton, you got some topics here, don't you? Yeah, so taking a leap of faith as an entrepreneur and being able to work alongside both of you guys at some point in my life and still currently working with you and we took a small break because you, you have other endeavors happening in your life, but being in a position that you guys are in and seeing the amount of growth in each of your lives, it raises a question on how much faith does it take to step into the role of an entrepreneur and how much risk you are, you are taking and what are the benefits from actually taking that uh stepping into that role uh for yourself and for your family and something that john wanted to speak about and we can connect on is how men commit to long-term relationships what questions to ask uh yourself and overall when looking for the right one and also uh understanding that partnerships are not based on pleasure and they shouldn't be picked on pleasure but picked on purpose so that way you have a promising future with whoever you went up in there you go. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, happy Thanksgiving to you all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever holiday you are celebrating, this is the time of the year for a lot of people to get together and, more importantly, uh, relationships uh, coming back together in person. And uh, speaking of music, I got some thoughts here on uh, 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 the reggae pastor. The reggae pastor. You didn't get the reggae pastor? You, you, didn't, get, you didn't get the reggae pastor? No. You, you, reggae, you didn't get the reggae pastor uh, clip? Okay, uh, under the blood. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. Let's move on from that one. Um, let's go into our first topic here. If you don't like what the market does when it goes down, Peter Lynch, said, Peter Lynch says here in 1994. So just to let you guys know, here's a, here's a, a financial story one. We're going to be covering a little bit of the uh, uh, masters of the stock market here um, because uh, we got some news here about Charlie Munger here in a minute. But uh, Peter Lynch ran the Fidelity Magellan Fund. And he's a, a world-renowned investor credited for creating the price-to-earnings growth ratio and popularizing the buy-what-you-know investment strategy. And for 13 years, Peter Lynch successfully managed the Magellan Fund, which generated returns of approximately 29% annually. So uh, here's what he said here about tolerance when investing in the stock market or investing for your future. Let's take a look at this clip. You should study history, and history is the important thing you learn from what you learn from history is the market goes down. It goes down a lot. The math is simple. There's been 93 years a century. This is easy to do. 
The markets had 50 declines of 10% or more. So 50 declines in 93 years. About once every two years, the market falls 10%. We call that a correction. That means that's a euphemism for losing a lot of money rapidly. But we, <laughs> we call it a correction. And uh, uh, so 50 declines in 93 years. About once every two years, the market falls 10%. Of those 50 declines, 15 have been 25% or more. That's known as a bear market. We've had 15 declines in 93 years. So every six years, but the market's had a 25% though. decline. That's all you need to know. You need to know the market's going to go down sometime. If you're not ready for that, Boom. you shouldn't own stocks. There it is. And it's good when it happens. If you like a stock at 14 and it goes to 6, that's great. You understand the company, you look at the balance sheet, and they're doing fine. And you're hoping to get to 22 with it. 14 to 22 is terrific. 6 to 22 is exceptional. So you take advantage of these declines. They're going to happen. No one knows when they're going to happen. Okay, we'll stop, we'll stop there. No one knows when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it says take advantage of the decline. <clears throat> now, the market's doing great. But the time to take advantage of the market was last year when the market was down 19, 20%. John, you've been working together with clients, uh, what, 14 years now, 15 years? Mm -hmm. um, people are very emotional when it comes to their finances. Uh, <laughs> you kind of can share what a little bit of your client experience has been working together with clients in a multicultural middle income demographic. Well, Lynch just said something about you know, what we learned from history. Well, actually, what we learned from history is that we don't learn from history. Uh, you know, what really caused the, the, the market crash in LA? It was mortgage-backed securities, banks, realtors, giving houses they shouldn't be doing, mortgages that shouldn't have been out there. But guess where people, people keep putting their money? Banks, really. It's the same thing. And you talk about the markets down. Yeah, you want to buy because the profits made in real estate when you buy. If you're buying too high, that's the issue. With the market, if the market dips, okay, I want to buy. Mm -hmm. But what are people missing? The cash to buy anything. Yeah, yeah. Especially so, now. Especially yeah. now. I mean, somehow they're finding ways to, to, to buy, you know, gifts this season. Yeah. But the fact is, if the market's dipping, that's when you're supposed to buy. Sounds good. But the problem is that people put money into 401ks blindly, IRAs blindly. They don't know who's watching it, who, what the fees are, what the stocks are. They just say, oh, everyone else is doing it. Yeah, but the majority of the country is financially not in a good position. We, we just call that broke. Mm -hmm. So if people are financially not in a well-off position, they don't have savings, they don't have money, they're reaching into retirement funds as their emergency funds. And if your retirement fund is your emergency fund, your retirement's gonna become an emergency, you don't have the money to buy the stock when it's down. And most people read one book or they took one seminar and think, oh, I'm an expert in finance. It doesn't work that way. And the other part is most of these money managers that have the licenses, they don't even know when the market's gonna go down. Even Lynch just said it. Yep. So no one's knowing yep. when exactly it's gonna go down. We just know it's going to happen. Yep. So if you can find ways to have precautions, you can have emergency funds money, you can, you can have other money set aside so when the market dips, yeah. you take the cash, you go in. But it's a game. But most people that I say with, especially on the middle America side, yeah. they have no clue what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, certain people on TV, I don't know if I can name specific names, I don't agree Drop with them. Dave Ramsey is a freaking moron uh, because wealthy people have actually stocks and they have people that have advised them on, on a portfolio. Middle America is actually charging fees. Uh, uh, through mutual funds, rather. They're going mm -hmm. to mutual funds. Probably the dumbest thing to do. Why? Mutual funds have the most fees, and the returns aren't even the real returns. I like the Tony Robbins book. If you're watching this, go read the Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game, Seven Ways of Mastering Money. Oh, that's a great one. This uh, is his first financial book. First financial book. He interviews Thank all the actual uh, money managers, all these guys that yeah. own all the hedge funds, and like mutual funds are the dumbest investment. If you actually just want to invest... Buy some stock and let it ride. Long term, it'll outperform everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you talk about that a lot of it in the Gotcha book. Yep, yep. It's a matter of middle, middle America says, let me go buy mutual funds because they don't know what they're doing.
Yeah, and, it's, and it's a spread. It's a spread. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. fees are eating away at your accounts. The returns aren't even the real, real returns. And, and, then, I, and they're buying high and they're selling low when it comes to mutual funds, the, I, you know, the whole psychology of money. I just got off the phone with a buddy of mine yesterday. Okay? He's got $1.8 million in his account. Does pretty well for himself. He has his money with an advisor, a broker, mm -hmm. a uh, financial expert. Sure, sure. What did the market do last couple of years? It's been up. You know what this guy earned the last, last year when the market was up? This year, the market's yep. been up. He's earned 5%. Crazy. The market's up. He yeah. only earned 5%. Yeah. Oh, by the way, don't forget the 1% to 2% fee. So he's yeah, actually yeah. made only 3 to 4% yeah. in an up market. I thought this guy was an expert when it comes to money. That's the challenge. Oh, well, we have your money in diversified portfolio, mm -hmm. they say. It's always Asset good. allocation. Stop it. Yeah, asset yeah. allocation. Yeah. Anyways, asset rotation. But yet our clients in the insurance side of the industry, our clients last year didn't lose any money. Didn't lose a penny. They didn't lose any previous year's gains. So yeah, that's the big reason why I wrote the book, Gotcha, because uh, 21 years, my favorite client hasn't lost any money the last 21 years, going through the dot-com bubble, mm -hmm. going through the Great Recession, going through the pandemic, flash mm -hmm. crash, wars, and that client is my mom. And so she has an experience and her, and her demeanor about not ever having to worry about loss the last couple of decades. So much stress. That's in your book, too. There's a whole article, which I think is a great story, and you're very vulnerable with the story. You actually show it, because you and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. That happened to my grandfather. He yeah. had his money with a big firm, yeah. market dips. He's in yeah. his 80s. Yeah. Why is he still exposed to the market? Yeah. Well, it's because the advisor's getting his 1.5% every year. For, whether money's made or lost, they still get theirs. Yeah. So when the market took a dip, he lost most of his money. I had to step in. We fixed some stuff, moved things around. Then we stopped all the losses, stopped right. the bleeding, right. gave him a guaranteed income. That money went on and so-and-so to my grandmother. But it, it was it was a rough time. So when the market's dipping, man, people are just saying, yeah. how do I stop the bleeding and how do I recover from here? So going back to insurance products, yeah, there yeah. are insurance products that can prevent the losses yeah. and still get the gains. And by the rich people, people with a portfolio, a couple of things. They could afford a loss because that's not all they have. Mm -hmm. So that's part of their investment strategy. Correct. But they got other money elsewhere. They got businesses, they got other assets. So investment, their, their 401k is not the only thing that they have. So they can be a little bit more adventurous. They can afford those losses. But in the multicultural middle, middle income they demographic, can't, they, can't. Can't, they don't, uh, my mother, is she experienced loss? Uh, pay those fees? Uh, those things are there. So by, uh, by the way, for those of you watching, whether live or watching replay, how do you stomach losses? I'm just curious, put in the comment section below. How do you stomach losses? Do you, do you say, hey, good, good with the bad, or I can't stomach losses? Because imagine, John, like the, the what workshops we do. Imagine if you go throughout your saving for your retirement and you never lose ever again for the mm -hmm. rest of your life. How would you feel? Most, what do most people say in your, in your yeah, workshops? I mean, even when I, I speak at least three times a week and I talk about the four quadrants, cash, equities, stock, portfolio, real estate, insurances. I'm the weird insurance guy because I'm telling you, you should go get some real estate. You should have some equities. There's nothing wrong with IRAs, 401k stocks, mm -hmm. even certain mutual funds. If you can lower the fees and know what's going on, you should have a portfolio. I just don't want to deal with that because when the market's tipping, you're calling me. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. You're calling me bringing me cookies because yeah. your money's protected. Yeah. You can deal with the other guys. I don't mind referring certain equities out because you should have some type of portfolio. The challenge is every time I sit with somebody, I ask them, what's in their account? Good. What else do you have? Oh, that's all I have. Bingo. The, the biggest challenge Bingo. is no one's sitting with certain people unless mm -hmm. you make a certain amount of money. Yep. That's the real challenge in the country. So unless you make a certain income or, or you're worth a certain value, yeah, the X amount of liquid net worth. you're not yep. getting a phone call from the wealth advisor. Yep. Going to the bank is not a wealth advisor. Yep, doesn't work that way. What's been, what's been your experience with this? So I actually have three questions for, for the both of you guys, being in the industry you guys are in. And these are three questions that uh, people were actually mess messaged me directly as you guys were talking about sure. this. 
for someone who's incoming, who's starting off in uh, in the industry in the industry of uh, their money smart journey. Mm -hmm. What do you look for in the economy? How to call BS on crappy guru advice on Instagram? <laughs> so who do you, who do you guys listen to? You know, on, uh, whether it's uh, what authors, financial analysts, whoever the case may be, who do you guys listen to? Who do you guys suggest tuning into when it comes down to podcasts, audiobooks, XYZ? And maybe also, what are one or three good money vehicles that people can look into when starting off with their money smart journey? You want me to go first on this one? I, I want to go off of fake gurus. Yeah. Are you with the fake ones? I wanna, okay. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna I'll do the real one. ones. I'll okay. Do real, okay. okay. So I'm a little biased, but this, there's this guy, Matt. I don't know if you know him, Milton. Maybe you know him, this guy named Patrick but David. Have you heard of him before? <laughs> yeah. He just bought the Yankees or something like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sold this company for almost three hundred million dollars. <laughs> something like that. I mean, just you know, some guy. But I actually met Patrick uh, 15 years ago, and I was in South Florida living in my parents' house, trying to figure out what I want to do, running the entertainment company. And my brother calls me and says, hey, I want you to meet this guy, Patrick. I'm like, I don't know who the hell Patrick is. Mm -hmm. So on a six-day notice, I fly to L.A. and I go meet with Patrick. And because of just his energy, how he was, and he was already successful in the insurance sector, I liked his environment, the culture, how he ran his office. I got started working with him. And you ask about, you know, what do I look for? I'm 26 at the time. I don't know the first thing about the economy, the markets, politics. He's a, a breakdancer. Nobody freaking knows what's going on. All I saw was an opportunity to change my situation. That's, that's the part. Now, I had to be sold on the timing. I, I didn't know what a baby boomer was. I didn't know what a Jet X or Gen Z. I didn't know this stuff. So by me learning about it, being in the environment and having the right associations, I made the decision. Now, you asked about you know, podcasts that I follow. I follow people that have a track record, and Matt can take an example from here, because there's a lot of guys that are giving podcasts about business, but mm -hmm. they've never built a business. Mm -hmm. One of the things I can't stand are these people that are life coaches. Good. Sell me on your life. Yeah. Oh, you read a couple books? I'm sorry. I love John Maxwell, but just because you studied his courses doesn't make you a life coach. Yeah. What have you actually gone through that you've actually done? Oh, I'm a business expert. Show me your business. Like I, can, I run a multi-multi-million dollar business. I can start a business coaching. Yeah. But if you've never done that, then what are you coaching me on business for? Because you have a business degree? Yeah. You have a lot of theory? You have a lot of books you've read? Sorry, dude. What have you applied in the real world? So if you're going to follow someone in, in business, go see what they've built. If you're going to follow someone that's a marriage counselor, we're going to talk about that there, mm -hmm. look at their track record in marriage. Look at how many other marriages they've helped, saved, or, or whatever. So I think a lot of people are, are trying to get a lot of, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? On social media. They're just trying to get a lot of clout. And they're so, can I curse a little bit? I don't know, I'll be good. No. They're, they're so full of it. They're so full of it. John, just default, speak your mind, bro. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 give a shit I'm working what, on I don't give a shit what you say. Go for it, bro. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on New Year, New Year, right? Um, but it's, it's, I hear a lot of people, Mike, you're not backing up what you're saying. You're saying one thing and doing another. Yeah. I'm like, that's the purest form of narcissism yeah. right there, dude. Like, yeah. you're a hypocrite. To, it's so yeah. many people online like that. Now, there are some good people that are online. Uh, I forgot the Indian guy. That's the money guy. Um, uh, money mindset. Um, money mindset. It's. it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking uh, about. Uh, Singh. Yeah. Money mindset. Uh, awesome. Minority, minority mindset. Minority mindset. Yeah. Awesome. Great yeah. for yeah. for advice because he actually practices what he preaches and he yeah. does have a great portfolio. Uh, I follow a lot what you do. I follow yeah. what Patrick but David does. Um, and it depends what you're into. And if you like real estate, you know there are some people out there. I'm not going to drop too many names, but some people are doing things they shouldn't be doing, and it's starting yeah. to come out now. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be careful. Yep. You know, who you follow, what advice yep. you follow. Um, do you know what crime people are in jail more for than any other crime in America? What do you think? What crime? Tell me. Real estate. Really? Real estate's the number one crime. It's not 
uh, money laundering. It's it's not theft. It's wow. it's real estate fraud. So real estate fraud is the number one crime in America, and it's because it's it's very easy to manipulate our stuff. And a lot yeah. of people that are getting the middle. Oh, I got I bought this property. How yeah. many deals go wrong in real estate? Because the thing is, in America, people yeah. think, oh, the only way to make money in real estate or Amer- and make, make millions is yeah. real estate. Yeah. Google, which industry has made the most millionaires in And America. there's such a ripple effect when yeah. you scam somebody for real estate. The consumer gets scammed, the bank gets scammed, the neighborhood gets scammed, the, the community gets scammed. Yeah. You know, my, my, th- my thought here, too, is I, I remember there's a company out there back in the day called Nuvo Reach. I don't know if you ever heard of this company. No. Uh, today, it's called Renatus. Okay, and what these guys are doing in the 2000s, they go out there and sell courses on real estate investing. Yes. Okay. Yes. They, they, $5,000, $10,000, 20000 for, for yep. real estate courses, accredited courses for real estate investing. And I asked one of the guys, so you're selling this course on short sales. I was looking at this particular uh, module, uh, course on short sales. Everybody that was talking about short sales, short sales, short sales, uh, or wholesale, wholesale, or flip, 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 right? And I said, oh, well, how many deals have you done? So you're being recognized for making $10,000 in a month, $20,000 in a month, $50,000 a month. How many deals? of short sales have you done he goes well i'm about to do my first one so you're selling education and courses but you actually haven't done the things that you yep. talk about inside the course mm-hmm. fake guru right so i i i uh, i i beat feet out of that workshop but here i i read your your um your lineage uh from king solomon from a book of proverbs my peoples your peoples right it says here proverbs 13 verse 11 wealth gained Hastily by will dwindle, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers it little by little will increase it. Proverbs 28, 19 through 20, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Damn. Uh, another one here, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 22, uh, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know what poverty will come upon him. Another one, 24, 20, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 27, prepare your work outside get everything ready for yourself in the field, then after that, build your house. So in other words, get to work. And I think there's a proverb, I think it's 15, I could be wrong, something about counsel. A wise man seeks counsel. Oh, for sure. Is that yeah. proverb 15? Uh, with, with a multitude of counselors, plans succeed. Yeah. So when, you, when you're looking at uh, what's going on in the marketplace, today, like I'm looking at Perry Lynch, because I want people to look at these guys. I want people to take a look at the guys that's been around the market. If you, in the real estate game, the in- investment game, the last... 14, 15 years, you don't know what a bad market looks like. Zero. It's been nothing but a 14, 15 year economic, massive economic expansion since 2010, 2011. We mm-hmm. haven't had a recession yeah. in 15 years. We used to have recessions every five to seven years. We haven't had one in close to 14, 15 years. And so a lot of people today think they can maneuver. They can, and, and if next year, Patrick uh, talked on our podcast, he said, next year will be the year of chaos. Then during the worst of times, you have to, not, not a lot of people are going to be stress tested. And so, um, which, which I want to uh, ask you guys, there's a report here that um, this holiday season, mm-hmm. more people today are spending more money mm-hmm. and sales are being broken. Uh, so uh, if we can take a look at my screen here, um, Jordan, 2023 holiday to reach record spending levels. Okay. Uh, 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 expected to reach record levels during November, December, and grow, grow between three and four percent over 2022 between nine or fifty nine or fifty seven billion and nine or sixty six billion. It's not surprising to see holiday sales growth returning to pre pandemic levels. Overall, household finances remain in good shape and will continue to support 
the consumer's ability to spend. Of course, by the way, I agree with that one. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of that, overall, mm-hmm. household finances remain in good shape. Nope. Milton, you're with clients every day in the gym. Yeah. You do workshops three times a week in the, in, 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 in the community. What's the real deal? So let me elaborate more on Dave Ramsey. Uh, I'm going to say that I agree with maybe 50, 60% of what he says. But there's a, a big 40, 50% that I just can't stand. Like, you don't need credit. Good luck buying a car. You know, good luck buying a house. Or go, renting an apartment. Or anything. Like, seriously. Like, yeah. like stop. Some things yeah. just are not realistic, bro. Like, I get it. You're talking to a certain market, a certain clientele. You know, 90% of term never pays out. So good luck passing on a legacy. Anyways. Um, but what I do agree with him, actually. I'll give him some credit Uh-oh, here. Oh, here we go. How I took his course in the church, uh, Financial Peace, and it actually talks about how middle America is being targeted. Oh, for sure. You're being advertised, and, mm-hmm. and the colors they're using in the marketing, it's not $10, it's only nine nine nine. Yep. And the reason why uh, people spend more than they're making is one example he uses, you take out, your, you take out your, 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 your wallet and you start taking out cash. You're feeling the cash leave your pocket. But now people that get at their phones, what do they do? Yep. You're not feeling instant. Yeah. Yep. You know, people like instant gratification. You're not feeling that instant pull from your account. So oh, I'll, I'll pay it off later, pay it off later. And that's how people get into debt. So people are spending more because they're not even aware of the current amount in their account. Yeah. And they're, they're feeling the society pressure of, well, I have to get a gift. I have to get this for them. Oh, I got to do this. It's okay. I'll pay it off later. It's always that, okay, I'll do it later mentality versus, you know what, let's be responsible. Uh, rather than going out to eat, let's just stay home and cook. 100%. Rather than, you know, uh, uh, spending this on a gift, let me just write a card. So people are so concerned about how much something is versus the value of it. Yep. If 100%. that makes sense. 100%. Yep. And I, I can tell you as far as uh, the industry that I'm in with my clientele, I was uh, interviewing a couple of me about three, four weeks ago on, hey, you know, on average, if you can give me a ballpark number, how much you guys spend uh, on eating out on a consistent basis and Round it up, yeah. give me the entire month. So they ballparked it to around three, four, three, four, three, four, three or four grand a month. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm like, great. On yeah. what? On food. I'm like, great. That's for 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 a family of how two for two people. I'm, here's the thing. They ballparked it. I'm like, fantastic. Now they have a ballpark three, four grand tonight, a month. Tonight, I'm like, oh my god, I'm freaking yet. out. Check this out. Holy T- moly. Tonight, go home and do the actual math. Go through your statements and do the actual math. They came back the next day and they and for the last two months they were dropping. $8,400 a month on eating out. $8,400 a month. I think of Wolf of Wall Street. $27,000 on size. That's <laughs> right. And here's the thing. It's clients. Yeah. And back to what John was saying. But are they employees? Are they entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs. Oh, shit. But still, $8,000 a month on food for one Imagine couple? I'm couple. glad no they kids? have the money to even afford that. That's kind of cool. Ah, damn. But one thing that you kinda said. Kind of tells you the clientele of Milton, man. They got some rich clients over there, man. Yeah. Here you go, man. One, one thing that, that John said that, that, he, that he's right on, I asked him, like, well, aren't you mindful of how much you're spending on, on eating out? They're like, look, man, ever since we got these iPhones, and we have an Apple Wallet. It's so and all easy. We have to do is just bing, 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 bing. Just do it and do Ooh, it and do so it. So dangerous. It. It's a trap. 100%. It's one hundred percent a trap. So, so I just, um, I just, I got the what is it? The Apple credit card that, that mm-hmm. Apple has. Yeah. I, I didn't know it existed until like maybe you like three days, four do, years ago. They, they should put a lock on it and let like your spouse, or your partner, has to unlock it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for you that, to do. What, if you're, what if you're single? Game. What? What if you're single? Get a get an accountability partner. Like you could be my buddy. They got to create an app for that because the the platform itself is not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just they want you to spend more money. Of course, they no, do. Apple they they partner with Goldman Sachs or the credit cards yeah. with Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah, they want you in debt. If you create, they want to collect like interest from you. You're saying so. So, so, so yeah. this thing. So I got that card a couple of days ago. I'm like, yeah. all right, great, I have it. Yeah. They gave me my credit limit. I'm like, all right, fine. So these last 
four or five days, I've been boom, boom, uh-huh. boom, boom, boom. And I got a notification like, hey, this is how much you owe us. And I already owed them $2,000 in the last four days. <laughs> and it's just been petty purchases. Your phone. You're Thanks. You're petty done. purchases. Well, back, I mean, back in the day, man, you used to carry cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? That's the point. Or and you wrote... Uh, money with checks. Yeah. Right? With a check. With check. check. With a check. Early the thing you write down with a check, your bank account routing number on it. Okay. Pay to the order of. Got it. Got you know, it. That, got that it. thing. <laughs> or, or or the transition for, to debit cards. So that was a whole evolution. Yeah. You carried cash. Yeah. yeah. You wrote checks. The transitions to debit cards. And then you can buy. And when I, when I was uh, uh, coming to this, becoming a new adult, right? I'm like, can I pay with a credit card even though it's three bucks? Like, yeah, no problem. So people got used to three bucks. Like, but back in the day, you used to spend a credit card on a big purchase. You took the credit card for a big purchase, not for everyday purchases. Remember the movie Mannequin? Late, late 80s and 90s? Mm, no. You know, I, quite honestly, in the there's 80s two, and 90s, I didn't watch Man- a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> there's Mannequin 1, Mannequin 2. Mannequin 2, uh-huh. I forgot the actress. Uh, she was a supermodel or something. And she's buying things in the mall because she is a mannequin in the mall. Mm-hmm. She comes to life with the, with the necklace. Yeah. And as she's buying a couch for her new boyfriend, she says, ah, who uses cash these days? So that language uh, started coming out. There you go. When credit cards are the... That's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. the, the old, Remember, the more money, bus. more money, more then, money. Uh, credit card, yeah, credit receipt, card. Credit yeah. card receipt in triple kit <laughs> yeah. with, with, with uh, uh, a carbon, carbon paper in the middle. Yeah. Now, we're, we're throwing that back. Uh-huh. Uh, Jordan, let's take a look at my screen here. Target is getting some heat because they're showing that Black Friday specials aren't really... Black Friday they're specials. They're just... They might have a new sign, nice. but it's the same damn price. So everybody steamrolling everybody at Black Friday or Cyber Monday or Cyber Week, you think you're getting the deal. You're just getting marketed. You're just getting marketed. Here's another one for a TV. $649 for a TV, Black Friday special. A week before Black Friday, it was on sale for same price. Why'd you leave the sign there? So... <laughs> Employees, man, they don't they don't grab, they just slide it over. They, they want to go home, man. Just, just take know? it out. Yeah. She goes, I worked at Target. I was lazy. Hope this helped. There it is. So, uh-huh. you know, so what do you think? Are there deals for you on Black Friday? Put it in the comment section below. Deals on Black Friday or no deals on Black Friday, please put it in the comment section below. What I don't get is, is these uh, buy now, pay laters. So remember back in the day, they used to have layaway, layaways, layaway. right? There's no layaways today. Why? Because there's no money for the companies on layaway. And so they installed buy now, pay laters, and then you buy now, but pay much, much later, later. So that's how they're, they're duping you trap. to buy things now to feed into the consumer mentality. Like what did this guy say? He said, we will do everything we can to support the consumer's ability to spend. They just told you what you needed to know. They're going to do everything they can to extract your money. So well, you heard the word, Matt. You heard the word. That's the manipulation right there. That's the freaking seduction. What's yeah. the word? Support. What do you mean Su- support? support? How yeah. about protect? How yeah. about prevent? How about uh, no? Support is a positive word. <laughs> it's a good word for publicist there. Yeah. yeah. So good, like good job manipulating because yeah. it's easier to fool people than convince them they were fooled. Yeah. Boom. There's the freaking word. Mm. We're um, gonna support spending. No. One more time, uh, drinking. Look at our uh, my screen here. So this is what holiday spending has looked like. Over the years. Yeah. So we're spending more and more and more and more and more and more money on shit. And income hasn't gone up. And income doesn't go like this. Right? We should have put up another chart. Income over the last, what, 20-some years has income. Actually, income has gone, has gone, has gone this way. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, stagnant. So uh, speaking of which, uh, let's transition to our next uh, topic. Um 
What, what do you want to cover? You want to cover uh, Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, or you want to talk about who actually pays more taxes? Let's do taxes. Let's do taxes. Let's do taxes. So taxes. people say, well, listen, man, you're getting whacked in taxes. And by the way, the IRS is announcing a new bracket in the, IRA, uh, in the, in the uh, income tax brackets next year in 2024. But we'll cover that in another, another episode. But people often say, what's the, you, you hear, uh, say, hey, man, rich people aren't doing their fair share. You know, rich people aren't paying taxes. Rich mm -hmm. people are getting away with everything. What does Robert Kiyosaki say? Rich people don't pay taxes, right? So there's this whole narrative that rich people aren't contributing to society. However, former mayor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, says, hey, here's who really pays taxes. And now New York is being hurt because of this demographic leaving New York. Let's take a look at this clip. People are more mobile, they will leave. How do we know that? Because they are leaving. Right. They have left. The people who are the most mobile are the people with wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have seen wealthy New Yorkers leave. The problem is the wealthy New Yorkers are the New Yorkers who pay the taxes. Boom. Uh, overwhelmingly, Boom. when you look at where the revenue comes from in New York, it is paid by wealthy New Yorkers. Boom! Over 90% of the revenue Boom. comes from wealthy New Yorkers. So when the wealth leaves, it has a dramatic economic impact. And this is how cities historically have gotten into trouble. You lose the wealth, you lose the revenue, you have less revenue to provide services, Quality of life deteriorates because there are fewer services, more people leave, right? That's the downward spiral. Bam. So uh, how's the sixth borough of New York doing in Florida? More people moving to Orlando, more people moving to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca, West Palm Beach. How's it looking in Florida? You're from Florida. I was going to find Patrick's uh, number on taxi. He talked about it when we were at the Dallas office for your mm -hmm. birthday weekend a few weeks ago. And what he just said, and that's, that's a liberal situation what he's talking about that's a liberal state so is california okay it's pretty simple you're talking are about the, Her the heritage foundation report yeah. yeah are people leaving new york to go to florida or florida to new york new york to florida okay are people leaving california to texas or texas to california california to texas, texas. illinois illinois to te both of us right, right. Yeah. it's yeah. because of the taxes now i love paying taxes i have zero issues paying taxes but here's number one I don't want to pay too much tax. I want to pay exactly what I'm supposed to pay. I want to pay my fair share. I don't want to contribute to this country. 100%. Yeah. Why? Because I know where the taxes go. I know that it helps police. I know it should go to military, first responders. Schools, school. hospitals, Absolutely. roads, 100%. safety of our country. Yeah. No problem with taxes. Yeah. Don't tax me too much. Meaning, I, get my, I got my ass off. I was at in a meeting last night at London House, you know, because, you know, 17,000 on sides. Right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm at London House till, till 1 o'clock in the morning last night. Yeah. Okay, I get home a little after 2. My flight leaves at, uh, I have to be at the airport. At, I leave at six to be here for the show. I'm on limited sleep. Then I'm going back later. Mm -hmm. uh, we have closed out at the office tomorrow. Then we have your wife coming in this weekend for training. We yep. have boot camp. Like, I'm nonstop. Go, 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 go. Okay. I'm earning my lifestyle. I'm helping others achieve the same by setting an example. Yep. I'm not entitled to a damn thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I earn a certain income, I also want to find a way to keep it. Other people are. Pointing fingers saying, well, they haven't earned. No, no, we've earned it. You owe me. I'm yeah. an American citizen. Yeah. So it's value yeah. to the marketplace. Yeah. So if people are adding more value to the marketplace, they're going to add more income. You're adding a lot of value to the marketplace because of what you've learned, studied for the health of the body. Like you see and he's earning what, it. No what you've done for him, what you've mm -hmm. done for me, and, all, and thousands of other clients. You've added value to the marketplace. You're going to earn. Now, it's not fair, literally, that you should give away more 
to someone that hasn't earned it. it. So the wealthiest people have letters after their friends' names, and they're typically called CPA. <laughs> okay, they're typically called insurance underwriter or or a, a financial advisor, an FA, a, a CFA. Mm. Like, there's all these. The fact mm. is, people that are in a JD. certain market, yeah, right. Yeah. They have people that help them navigate the process. Yeah. The problem with most people in America, they don't have anyone either A in their corner or B. They're trying to cut the corners. Um, you know, all these little tax agencies, these tax mm -hmm. things are yeah. online. No, you need someone to, to professionally go through your numbers and say, hey, you're giving away money here. You know, we can do this. I think everyone should start a company, get a 1099, get a, a DBA, do something with business so you can have expenses. So you can, you know, the cars that I have where I live, the, the, my company bought that. Yeah. Like it's it's designed for that. You know, the company is supposed to buy this, buy that. Great book you're coming up with yep. there. But a lot of people, well, I got my W-2. Yep. We're brainwashed. Yeah. We're conditioned that we have to have a degree, we have to have a job, we have to go do W-2. No, you're giving away more. Yep. And that the moment that, Matt, that someone comes up and says, no, no, you don't have to do that, well, I don't believe that's too going to be true. No, it's not. It's just that you're not aware of it. So that's what Sandy's book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Real quick, if you were to poll, for example, if you were to poll, how many people feel watching this right now, live or replay, that the rich don't pay their fair share of taxes, that poor people are the ones, or middle class income people are paying a lot of money Taxes, please put it in the comment section below. I'm curious of what you'd have to say. Because when I came across understanding money, getting my financial education up to speed, and what you mentioned here, John, right? Your mm -hmm. your 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 uncle down the street in, in Florida. Sandy's a beast. Sandy Botkin, right? And he's a CPA. Mm -hmm. He's a JD, taught attorneys at the IRS, trained attorneys, still does. We had him at our workshop. But every year he comes up with this book. This is the one I just grabbed off the shelf. But every year I get the updated version of lower your taxes. So how many of y'all have a car? Yeah, how many of y'all have a car? Think about this. Chapter, uh, uh, chapter uh, three of his book, uh, excuse me, chapter five of his book, okay, is how to turn your car into a tax-deductible gold mine. And he's just not talking about one car. He says it's a benefit if you have multiple cars. So if you're out there and you're making money and you have a husband, you have a wife, you have maybe a teenager driving around a car, how do I turn my assets or my household into a tax deductible gold mine. By the way, chapter one, why you be brain dead not to start a home-based business. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be network marketing. Doesn't have to do, uh, you have to do real estate, but something on the side, home-based business you got to do on the side. What's your thoughts on, 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 well, on this book too Matt, as well? Matt, nowhere wants to read that. They want Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> they want to be seduced. They want Lord by, of Rings. They want Lord of whatever. You know, they want you know, to see the Game but, of Thrones. But, but then at the end of the year, they're yeah. complaining that, well, no one's ever sat with me. Listen, you have to learn to be resourceful. Yeah. When I was in South Florida and the company was built in California, yeah. there was no one there local. I had to be resourceful. Yeah. You, you talk about starting a business. Yeah. You have to be resourceful. When I was going through my whole weight loss, this, I reached out to you. Mm -hmm. I have to be resourceful. People are saying, well, who, why, why aren't they calling me today? Yep. You have resources. There's yep. books online. There's books at, uh, at the bookstores that are still open. Jordan, right? can you take a look at this, uh, uh, this uh, graph here on my, on my computer? Here, to answer everybody's question, <clears throat> who go. pays their fair share mm -hmm. of taxes? Yeah. Okay? So the middle class here, right, between 43,000 and, uh, and let's say 152,000, 21 and 19%, 12%, right? Share of all income earned. However... Look at the share of all income taxes paid on the bottom. Compared to the 40% of the top 1%, top 2 to 5% is actually paying if the taxes. You're, if you're going to penalize Here's the Here's a source, top. the IRS. Yeah. If you're going to penalize the top that are feeding it, they're going to find a way not to do it anymore. 
And like what, what he just said, they're going to they're leave. leave. They're going to leave. What's his name? Who was the guy from uh, Shark Tank? Uh, IT guy. Oh, uh, um, what's his name? Shark Mr. Mr. Wonderful. Is it Mr. Wonderful? Oh, Mr. Wonderful. Okay, Wonderful. Another one, yeah. He says, New York is no longer investable. This is a podcast he did or really did about yeah. a year or two ago. Yeah. And he's only one of them. But that's known. If yeah. you penalize the people that are providing all the resources or, or providing everything, they're out. Who, like who, for example, uh, Griffin. He left King Griffin, left Chicago, the richest guy in Chicago, left, took the Citadel Group out of downtown Chicago. No more reason why. Not only high taxes, but people don't feel safe in Chicago. And where are they going? Down the road from you in uh, my jammy. We've left Chicago. We've left Chicago. Uh, uh, podcast. Uh, Joe Rogan left uh, left uh, L.A. And not only did he come to Austin, Texas, but he's recruiting every comedian in L.A. in the L.A. comedy scene. And the new comedy scene now is. Austin, Texas. Well, let me say one thing on top of that. I want to put a disclaimer out there. If you voted for that shit, don't, <laughs> don't bring, bring that in mind. No, 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 no. Keep your... No, no. You go back to what you voted don't for. Don't California, my Florida, it, my Texas, yeah, my Tennessee. You and I vote the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just happen to be in that state. You left for that reason. All yeah. good. If you're leaving for the right reasons, okay. But if you make your bed, you sleep in it. If you voted for it, no, no. That's your fault, bro. I didn't vote that way. Because you don't. it's not my fault you don't know how taxes work. It's not my fault you don't want to go start a business. You don't mm -hmm. want to read the books that I'm reading or wait. No, 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 no. No, no. If you voted for it, you keep it. And like indirectly, people are sticking their hands in our pockets. Yeah, because dude. Don't bring the crap to me. What's your thoughts then? Is, do you have a current argument to that? Or, or what's your no, I have a question for you guys, and this is also for, for myself. What do, you tell, what do you tell people, men and women, who are in business for themselves, and although they find the idea of tax write-off so beautiful, and so many people talk mm -hmm. about tax write-off, tax write-off, tax mm -hmm. write-off, tax write-off, how do you find a middle ground or a decent balance between tax write-offs and not writing something off of your tax? Because at the end of the day, you can do all these tax write-offs, but then at the end of the year, mm -hmm. your profit so minimal because simple. of that. Simple. One of my buddies, London House buddy, does very, very well. Mm. You know where he puts most of his money? Charities. He's probably the largest person to donate to charities and contributions in Orlando. What's the heck there? He writes a lot of things off. Yeah. And then here's the point. When Patrick moved PHP from California to Dallas, okay, he saved a lot of money on taxes. Guess what he did with the extra money he saved? He gave everybody home office a raise. So the people that are getting the write-offs, the deductions, mm -hmm. if they're good people, if they're wise people, they're going to do good with that money. Because remember, money makes you more of who you are. If you're a jerk, you're a rich jerk. If you're a good person, you're a rich, good person. Money gives you more choice and more options. So if I'm able to write more things off and keep more money in my pocket, that gives me more choices. If you want to go tithe the church, you're either going to tithe when you're making 100000 a year or tithe when you're making a million a year. It's much different. So when you make more, you can keep more, you can do more. But if you yep. make more and then you give away more, you, you can't do anything because yep. you can't help the poor by being poor. So what about someone who's just barely starting off in the business? Let's just say they're making, <laughs> I don't know, $100,000 a year with their own business, S-Corp, C-Corp, They ain't starting off with 100000 by the way. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of, what, it is, whatever, regardless of what, what they're making. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to walk into the world of tax write-offs. Yeah. But you know, if you tax, mm -hmm. if you write off a certain amount of taxes, at the, end, at the end, if you're trying to buy, buy a house, you're trying to buy a car, the yep. profits are so low because mm -hmm. you, you're ordering everything off. Well, there's a, there's a lot of mortgage programs. So this weekend, I just yes. spent a, a good three-hour meeting with a investor that works for a mortgage company. Mm. Or a mortgage company, they'll, they'll, you know, go hand in hand. And uh, they talked to me about the different uh, mortgage programs for self-employed people. Because mm -hmm. we have more people today <clears throat> living in a gig, a gig economy. Yeah. So they can look at bank statements, and they can, they, they can tell.
Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Traditionally speaking, you'd have to pick your income back up to get whacked in taxes to be yeah. able to afford to qualify for that mortgage. There's a lot of mortgage programs today where they're just looking at self-employed people and they, they kind of understand the they game. Bank statements. Well, now. let me counter that too. If you're just starting your business off, you shouldn't be buying anything. Yeah. You should be all going back into your business. So for the first couple that's, of years- no, That's the problem too. A lot of people live off their business too soon mm-hmm. versus reinvest back into the company. I was broke as shit yeah. for years. Yeah. I, I rented this. for eight years. When she and I got married, we rented for eight yeah. years before you bought anything. Yeah. It, wow. well, the problem is people yeah. look at the final result. Yeah. I've been doing insurance 15 years coming up this year. Okay, yeah, that's, you're supposed to struggle for a little bit, but not forever. Yeah. But, Matt, I don't think you know this. I, I ever tell you the Ferragamo story? For, for, <clears throat> tell me. So from make, it, two, make it quick, though. We, yeah. we have, a lot, we have so, a lot of topics. So long story short, for the first couple of years, I'm wearing the same pair of shoes. I see Patrick wearing a Ferragamo. I have no idea what it is. I mm-hmm. think it's the Audi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a car. Yeah. Right? No, it's Ferragamo. Yeah. Well, these are eight $900 shoes. Yeah. So I'm in Vegas for an event, and I finally have a little bit of money. I buy the shoes without even looking at the I just went and bought them. Nice. I wore the same Ferragamos for three years. I didn't buy any more shoes. I was so tight with my money because I kept putting money back into the business. And I waited until I had a certain number of savings, investments. Yeah. Then I had a little bit of fun. Yeah. So I think the, the problem is that people get into business. I'm a business owner. I get, no, 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 no. Yeah. You have to be more careful more, with less spending on fun stuff, but more investing back into the business. So I think that's a great, I guess, great transition to the next topic of, of, Dallas Mavericks. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mark Cuban just sold his comp- majority stake of his, his, of his ownership in the Dallas Mavericks. The new owner. Uh, uh, we have new owners here, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, uh, from the uh, Las Vegas Sands. So if we can take a look at this uh, graphic here, Jordan. So in 2000, he buys the Mavs for $285 million. But that's not the backstory, though. The backstory is, though, in 1982, 1984... He's a student at Indiana University starting entrepreneurship. He goes to Indiana University's uh, business school because it's the cheapest of the 10 business schools in America. He went there because it was the least expensive college to go to. He's originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Anyway, make a long story short, he sells his company, Broadcast, okay? Uh, Broadcast.com to Yahoo. Mm. Sells it for uh, $5.7 billion. 1999, right before the dot-com bubble. And the weird part, three years later, Broadcast.com is no longer in one of the worst internet acquisitions in the history of, 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 of anything online. But Cuban made, out, made well. out. But instead of spending his money, what does he do here in 2000? Buys the maps. He reinvests his money. When most people want to live life and go celebrate and retire, what does he do? And uh, the interesting thing about Mark Cuban is that uh, when he bought them, a lot of people don't realize he called it. He, got, he, had, he asked, hey, let me get the list of the season ticket holders. He calls them and says, listen, individually, he's calling everybody. Hey, man, continue to buy season tickets. I'm like a winner out of this thing. Continue to stick with us. Yeah. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to make this happen. And so he came in here in the, in, in the 90s and to turn around that organization, four or five years later, became a, a championship organization, Jordan. And so when we're looking at this guy, he reinvested it and cashed out $3.5 billion because he reinvested back into his business. What's your thoughts on that? He's going to go spend 27000 on sides. That's what I think he's going to do. But I, I think what, what, what most people lack in business is they lack a vision. And they're thinking they're going to get rich quick or they're going to capitalize on, on a trend or, or just a gimmick or whatever mm-hmm. going on online. <clears throat> I think if you're going to start a business, you have to, number one, 
have a clear vision about what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And whether you're not 100% passionate about it, yeah. you have to enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. Because the passion will happen over time. <clears throat> Being in insurance, I didn't get into insurance because I love selling insurance. I didn't know what the hell insurance was. I got started because I liked the environment I was in. And then I learned about insurance and money and finance because that's the worst case scenario. I learned about money, finance, taxes, entrepreneurship. And then next thing you know, I paid a death claim. I said, oh, damn, this makes sense. Matt, I was telling you yesterday, one of our, uh, uh, one of our uh, client's daughters just passed away from Crohn's disease, 16 years old. Oh, man. You know, so like people don't think about that's that kind horrible. of stuff. That's horrible. You know, so your, your passion kicks in when you hear these kinds of stories. Like you're not planning yeah. on this stuff. But people typically get into business because they want to make money. And they start chasing the money. But if you chase the money, it's going to be empty once yeah. you get there. Yeah. So... I think with with Cuban, he had a vision of I have money, I have to find a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, he already it wasn't about the money, yeah. it was about what's, the purpose, the drive. What's your thoughts on this uh, Cuban deal? My question is, aside from Cuban, you being a sports fan, in your in your perspective, in the years you've been following sports, what do you think this means for the Mavericks on a well, sports base? Well, well, I I think. She, uh, uh, who, who's who's the new owner? What's what's her name again? Uh, did you pull up her? Uh, uh, Miriam Adelson. Uh, Jordan, can we take a look at my screen? Uh, Miriam Adelson, the largest shareholder of Las Vegas Sands, sold about $2 billion worth of stock in the coming early Tuesday with the goal of buying a sports team. Uh, she's purchasing to the Mavericks a $3.5 billion valuation per, uh, per Sharania. But, you know, when you look at this type of purchase, I mean, it's, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, she's seeing a bigger investment in sports. I mean, who doesn't want to buy sports? And Patrick but David bought the minority ownership in, in sports. <clears throat> I'd love to buy a sports team. I mean, sports is going to be around for a long time, and this is a great place for entertainment, especially during tough times. Especially during tough times, people want to be entertained. People want to go eat out. People want to drink. So these type of companies and businesses do well during uh, tough times. But I think that's going to, you know, she's going to bring a, a, uh, um, an experience model to it because her background is in, uh, in uh, hotel and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Maybe there might be something that she adds to the table here for the Mavs, creating more of a hospitality type experience. Because one thing cool here about the Dallas Cowboys, it's the only franchise in the entire NFL that has a Dallas Cowboys fan experience like they do at the Cowboys, the Cowboys Club. Mm-hmm. Like you really feel like you're, you know, they got the Cowboys Club gym. Yeah. You got a Cowboys Club club where the Cowboys are hanging out at the club with you if you're a member at the Cowboys Club. Mm-hmm. Every time we go to the Cowboys I mean, we have a meeting tonight at 7 o'clock at the Cowboys Club mm-hmm. because we're going to have some plans down the road. I don't want to share these moves. You know the moves we're about to make. Yeah. And so, you know, we're meeting some folks uh, over there at the Cowboys Club, and boom, there's Jerry Jones, and boom, there's, you know, there's the uh, Dan Quinn, and boom, there's, you know, former players, and they're doing a podcast out of the Cowboys Club. There's only... You know, so they, they got a great uh, um, fan experience for the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe she's bringing this yeah. to the maps. So you said you said I would love to one day buy into a team. What team would it be? Bears. Bears. All day. They need all the help they can get, man. Are we? The Bears. <laughs> the Bears. The Bears. Need the Bears. A lot of help right now. The Bears. I want to buy the Bears. Or first one. That's my. That's this my is sport. recorded, by the way. Just you realize this. I want to buy the Bears. Okay. I want or the Bulls. Or both. November 29th, two thousand twenty-three, at twelve forty-eight p.m. Central Time. He asked me a question. That's my question. Man, that's it, man. Matt, as long as I get like a beer, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move the Bears out of Chicago into Arlington Heights. Oh wow, you just expand. I want to make sure Chicago suburbs gets love because everything's stuck in the city. Everything, all the traffic is there, all the oh. credit is there, all the taxes there, all the bull crap is in the city. Hey, hey, mayors of Chicago land suburbs, 
Can you please do a better job? Hey, governor of Illinois, you can you do a better job of recruiting people out to the burbs? Because the, the Chicagoland area, I mean, if you're looking at like Naperville and Oswego and Mon, uh, Montgomery, look at Elgin, you can look at you know all these places around Chicago. It does just doesn't need to be stuck in the city of Chicago. That's what Dallas does well. That's what Houston does well. That's what Austin does well. And by the way, in the next 10 years, watch how fast the Tri-City area here of Dallas, Houston, Austin is going to start connecting. Mm. They're just going to be expanding and growing. So uh, anyway, that wasn't a topic I want to get into. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I but wanted, you're passionate about I, I, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about Texas. I'm passionate about what uh, entrepreneurs are doing here. What, what A lot of faith-based type of folks are moving down to, to Texas. I love how people are more patriotic in Texas than in any uh, uh, Florida. It's the uh, same thing, too, as well. I, I want to look at this uh, uh, situation where people say, you know what? Why don't I just, you know, why, I don't want to be an entrepreneur, Johnny. I just want to stick with my company. Yeah. And this lady here says... Hey, if you want to make more money as an employee, mm -hmm. do this. Let's take a look at this video. A Forbes study shows that a person that is loyal to their company, on average over their lifetime, earns less than 50% of their counterparts who change jobs every two to three years. As I'm getting ready to go into my job of 22 years, I can attest to that. Moral of the story is corporations and business owners have no concept of returned loyalty. Do what's good for you. Make those changes and make that money. Have a good day. Have a good day. What's your thoughts? Value. So she just took a shot at, at corporations and business owners. Well, first off, if uh, no one started a company, she doesn't even have a job, number one. Number two, I don't know what she does for a living. Uh, the marketplace is going to pay you for the value that you bring to the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And the value is determined by the size of the problem that you're solving. Yeah. If you work at McDonald's flipping burgers for mm -hmm. 30 years, yeah. you're not solving big problems. Mm -hmm. You're still gonna get paid the same. Okay, awesome. If you're a barber, your income is going to be leveled out. Mm -hmm. You can work for the barbershop because yep. you still charge. You can't charge too much because people are going to leave. You can only charge so much as far as what the market's going to pay you based on your value. Now, are there barbers that charge two hundred dollars a haircut? There are some that charge fifty dollars a haircut. Some charge twenty. Okay, at a corporate job, what value are you adding? How are you personally developing and growing? What problem are you solving? So that's a short video. I don't know what she does for a living. I don't know. Yeah. So it's a yeah. I it's get a it. very biased video. I mean, I yeah. just think in general more value. Do you have a counter argument to that? It's hard, man, because I'm I'm really excited with what with what you guys are bringing to the table. It's really really hard for me to, to say that because at the end of the day, as John was saying, the only reason you should even be getting considered for any form of increase is if you're solving bigger problems. If you're not solving bigger problems, it's going to be extremely hard for you to be looked upon as like yes, I'm, I'm I. Yeah, let's feed you a lot more and help you out a lot more. Going going to a fast food restaurant, someone who's just a maintenance guy or a dishwasher versus a regional manager who goes around to every single restaurant, makes sure everything's intact. He has more responsibility. More responsibility means means more pay. Yeah, if if you are employed, right? And by the way, I think for most small business owners, they care about their key people. If you ever watch the movie, if you ever watch the movie, the actually show The Profit by Marcus Simonis is a show right after Shark Tank. He goes around different businesses, invests in different businesses, and he tells a CEO or the business owner right away, hey, that's your key person. He invests in three things. He invests in people, he invests in products, invests in, uh, in process. So people, products, process. 
If your product sucks, he's going to call you out. If your process sucks, if you can't fill orders, he's going to call you out. If you don't take care of your people, he's going to call you out because if you don't take care of your people, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Well, this uh, uh, person here, I, I tell everybody at that office, you have a, don't wait for me to give you a pay raise. Give me a reason why I should give you a pay raise. And your reviews is not me reviewing you. And your review is telling me what you did in your department to increase the productivity of your department, to cut costs and increase revenue. If you can't tell me you work faster, you learn a new skill, you've increased a position in, in, in the citizenship you have uh, to our company, then you don't deserve a raise. But if you give it, by the way, we've had employees give us a full PowerPoint of why they should get a raise based on speed, skills, and citizenship of their position. And not not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody's one to 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 bite down, invest everything they have into the business, sure. and not make any profit for two, three, four, five years. But if you're an employee, go out there and show why you're invaluable to that department. Because some of the most smartest people we've seen run companies are not people that actually started the company. You know, look at Stephen Ballmer, who uh, owns the Clippers, the former CEO of, uh, of Microsoft, the COO of Microsoft. Yeah. He started off as a as an employee, number 30th employee of, of Microsoft, but he worked himself to COO, worked himself to CEO, and got himself to buy the LA Clippers. He never was an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, Tim uh, Tim Cook. From Apple. Apple. Yeah. He was never an entrepreneur, but he increased evaluation. All the other guys. Guy from Disney, Bob Iger. He was working productive. He never started Disney, but he took Disney to what? Uh, we need to get back to his prominence, get rid of this whole uh, woke agenda out of, out of Disney. And by the way, Look what Dana White is doing with Anheuser Busch signing a deal. That's that's not a, that's that's you and I. Our, our, next, our next podcast, we're going to talk about that, which leads me to the next one and our final topic, is what happens when you buckle down, you work hard for a company, you save money. Here's what happens with this guy at age 65 years old, which is fair warning to many of us. Let's take a look at this. I'm almost 65. I started saving for my retirement in my late 20s, but along the way, I dipped into my nest egg not once but several times. So this is my IRA and 401k, and which this will be cleaned out over a certain amount of time. Right. And now, right. like millions of other baby boomers, I too don't have enough. The key to your retirement working out is having enough return on your assets. And Most of it. my savings went to pay for my kids' educations. Uh -oh. This is where problem, fees right? would really hurt you badly. This well. is where fees would hurt you badly. Because a divorce and the crash of 2008 didn't help either. Well, it looks like my own personal fiscal cliff. I'm now planning to work for as long as I possibly can. So this whole plan is predicated on working full-time until 70. Yes. And at 70... From age 70 to 75, I have you working part-time. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. So, <laughs> it's a, that's a rough reality. By the way, the reason why I'm sharing this, and our audience could care less about being 65 years old, but eventually you will be. Or their parents are. You're 23, yeah. And your parents are already, your grandparents are already, and there's a book out there called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he said in that book, Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. Mm. So if you're 65 years old, start with the end. So therefore you can back engineer for the next 20, 30, 40 years with the moves you need to make based on avoiding the five gotchas of money, which I discussed in my book, to make sure you don't have that scenario at age 65 years old. What's your initial feedback when you saw that video? At the end of this year, all those boomers are turning 59, 59 and a half. And the challenge is they were never taught or shown how to do it. And even what Lynch said, how we start off the podcast, Every couple of years, there's a dip. You don't know when. The divorce, the 2008, the crash, they didn't plan for that. It's life. It's life. Yeah. 
and pensions are going away, which were guaranteed incomes. Okay, well, they shifted that, which was called defined benefit plans, to now defined contribution plans, which are just 401k, 403bs, which are just stocks and mutual funds with no guarantees in it. And the challenge is anytime that a, a government program comes out, it creates more laziness. Social Security was supposed to be a supplement for retirement. It became the primary for a lot of people. Company says, well, let's shift the risk from these pensions, because Henry Ford came out with pensions. Well, I'm going to stop saving because I got my pension given to me now, so I don't have to put any more anything else away. Mm-hmm. It created laziness over the years. So the heartbreaking part, Matt, is that's the reality for a lot of people in this country, and we got to figure out a solution. And that's why I'm glad you wrote the book, because in the book, it breaks down things that people can do ahead of time, but also during and start course correcting so that they can retire a little bit sooner, or maybe they know someone that's going through the process. There's actually a step-by-step plan there to fix it. It's 100%. Your, your mom's retired. You had your yeah. family playing for retirement too as well. What, what's your thoughts when you saw that? Even if it's a, if it's a high, uh, side hustle, it'd be something super, super, super small. Mm-hmm. Like right now, as you said, boomers, uh, they're, turn, they're turning the age of the turning, and a lot of them, they have service-based businesses. And one thing I saw in Chicago for me, that's one thing I'm going to take advantage of in, in a respectable manner to all the people watching. There's a business out there, a couple of businesses out there, for example, laundromats. There's a lot. Of, I was telling this the other day. We had a couple of people who are selling the laundromats for like hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. Cash flows between hundred to two hundred thousand a year. You can buy that whether seller finance or SBA loan and make profit off of that. You have a couple of buddies to pitch in, and you can get some invest some some return on that. A couple of years building it up and then selling it. So point is, even if it's a, a small side hustle, although it's risky, I generally think starting a business is worth it. You get paid more because there's more risk. Owners of any businesses, whether it's small, small or big, you have more control of your life. You have more control of your outcome versus an employee. And that's the life of an entrepreneur, taking that risk and going full force forward, having faith in God and knowing that everything that you're doing is in God's hands, which is why we're going to be able to work with you guys and seeing how far you guys have come and how fast you guys are growing and how, where God's taking you is such an inspiration. And for the people who are following you, watching you guys, watching your videos, they also follow that because they get inspired by people, by men like you guys, to want to do more, to to seek God. I know a lot of guys who started believing in God because of of, of your book, because you started talking about oh, God. Praise God. I know you recently started tapping into your faith. So I know a lot of those people are heavily influenced by people like you guys. Long conversation with uh, yeah. Steve Weatherford in my yeah. office. Massively. Yeah, yeah. And it takes, awesome. it, it takes a level of faith to be able to yeah. step into the role that you guys are stepping into. Yeah. 100%. That's it. So this, this is it. You know, saving money. Giving money, finances in general, it's one massive big faith step. But every time you tuck money away, you increase the probability for you to be more financially secure. The more you spend money, the less you allowing yourself to be financially secure. So uh, with that being said, guys, uh, anyway, Mace, I appreciate you. You're going to be on our next podcast. Cool. So um, I love. The, by the way, if you can, I love you had on our next podcast too as well because we got some relationship question we didn't have to have a chance to cover on this podcast i don't sure. know if you have to go right away no, it's making I love, uh, we're gonna be having our next podcast here on friday so uh what are your thoughts of personal finance holiday season please put in the comment section below some scary things are going on in the economy today 2024 years produced by patrick bed david which you should check out on my youtube channel we did an interview with patrick bed david he's got a new book coming out called choose your enemies wisely uh it's uh, gotten a lot of attention it's probably one of the most uh, uh, intriguing interviews I've done all year. Make sure you check it out here on the Seven Figure Squad podcast and the Seven Figure Squad YouTube channel. And uh, with that being said, guys, happy holiday season to you. Merry Christmas. God bless you guys. And we'll see you here in the next podcast here on the Seven Figure Squad YouTube channel. On behalf of John Mason, Milton Alvarez, I'm your money smart guy. And until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. See you next show. Bye bye.